Uh, well, hello, everybody. I, I, last week, I said hi to all the campers, and you seem to appreciate that. So for those of you in RVs, traveling in RVs, driving while watching a sermon, I don't recommend that. But, but for those, I, I, this is a time of year that we're all over uh, the, the nation, the state, the world. So wherever you're tuning in from, I'm glad you are. Uh, so disclaimer for this sermon, because it requires one. Uh, I'm going to share some things with you that I'm, well, I'm 100% certain that I've never shared before. Uh, so I'm going to ask for permission that you'll let me be as open with you as possible because there's an agenda because God taught me something and uh, has been working on me about something. And, uh, and I thought it was just for me. And then he began to bend it towards, I'd like for you to share this with the church. So my natural godly response was, uh, no, thank you. That's between you and me, God. And, uh, and he wouldn't let it stay there. So I'm going to be open with you. You do with it whatever you want. But I take no responsibility. So here's the question about this whole series. Here it is. Have you ever believed something to be true, but your behavior didn't prove it? Anyone willing to admit this? Where you said, I believe this to be absolutely true, and then you're like, but please don't anyone watch me. Don't anyone fact check me. I believe it's true. Yeah, I'm not going to debate that. But uh, for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, I have always known, you might want to take notes on this. This is, this is a big part. I've always known that things like cucumbers and carrots and water are healthier than donuts and bacon and pop. I don't see a lot of note taking. It's fine. <laughs> I've always, 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 always know, known that. It's why I, I, mean, I remember as a kid refusing the good stuff, and anytime I could get a hold of the bad stuff, I would. I believed that there's health food. I did not like reject the notion, say, conspiracy theory. I don't know what anyone else is doing. But I had a tendency to not line up how I ate with what I actually believed. Let me give you some examples. This is where I really want to be open with you. So I grew up in, in a family, a very loving family. I love my mom and dad. Uh, they just celebrated 48 years of marriage. Like, hello. Uh, like, I love our family. Uh, one of the traditions of our family was that we celebrated with food. That was like a, a staple. So uh, we learned that Christmas Eve was a big deal. We have a, we have a whole like, menu that would make zero sense to you whatsoever. Like zero sense. You'd be like, David, you cannot have that with that. And I'm like, oh, yes, we can. Watch me. Uh, right. And so when we would gather for Christmas Eve as kids and all that, we would have certain food, and that was the celebration. That's what we looked forward to. I was not looking forward to the socks and underwear that I would open up on Christmas Eve because that's what we got. Uh, it was the food. Uh, another thing in our family, I grew up where we, uh, when we got older, didn't all hang out on Christmas. Sounds weird to you. I'm from a family full of pastors. Christmas, it's a busy time for us. And so we didn't really gather around Christmas. We gathered around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was our big holiday. And so we would gather around a whole family. We would usually get the garage, set up tables all over, and we would eat. However, me, <laughs> uh, my grandma would come over to, 
to David, me, and say, here you go, here's an extra big plate, you're a growing boy, and I'm like, you are the greatest grandmother in all of the world. And so I didn't, I filled that plate, and we celebrated and had a great time. Uh, I, I grew up that you sell birthdays. I don't know if you got to pick your meal for birthdays. I did, and I loved it, and I still love doing that. It's like the time where I'm like, no kids, we're not having that. We're having steak, okay? And, uh, well, I knew health food, but you need to know some of my, I began to experience life, and I began to treat food as though it was more than fuel. So uh, I, uh, my, my junior year, we moved. Right before my junior year in high school, we moved. And I was mad at mom and dad for, for moving us. It, we moved to the South. I have a whole, I, want, I love Southerners. Southerners are great people. Uh, I didn't mesh well in the South. And uh, I had a, you might call it a traumatic experience, just different stuff going on. And I figured out that when I was sad, if I ate certain foods, that just made me not think about the sad stuff. And so I began to eat, I was in the South. Uh, sweet tea and fry it up. Whatever it was, you fry it up. Well, uh, in high school, that was fine because I was playing sports and it didn't show a lot of physical things. It was just a behavior that I would eat and eat and eat. Uh, my senior year, I moved back and lived with my grandparents and uh, went back to the school that I'd moved from out of Indiana, all that, not big details. But I thought I would tell you, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, I even made notes on this. My senior year in high school, what, what I would regularly eat. Uh, for breakfast, because we had early morning practice, so about 5 a.m., I would swing through a gas station and get the, uh, the fruit pies at gas stations. I don't know if anyone's ever had these. What's funny is that ain't fruit. I'm just telling you. I know it's called fruit pies, but um, that concoction of chemicals put together and giving you chunks that you think the chunks now. Uh, <laughs> They're, they're fried uh, things of syrup and, and whatever, and, and I would get two of those and a quart of chocolate milk, and I would eat that, and then I would go to basketball practice and have a great time, go to school. Then at noon, I was a senior, we got to go wherever we wanted to eat, and so we would go to a pizza place, and I'm not joking, I would, I would get a pizza for myself, and uh, barbecue pepperoni, don't judge, it's what I liked, anyways. Uh, I just remember these details. Then I would uh, finish school, and before our second practice of the day, I'd go get a double whopper with fries, and because it sounded good, and it, and it, well, frankly, it was good. And then I would go to practice. Then I would go home, and I, I would eat whatever my grandma had prepared. It was typically generally healthy, which was fantastic for them. They felt good that they were feeding their grandson good food. I was like, you don't want to know what's already happened today. That then I would, I would eat that meal and, and then go and maybe do some homework and then watch some TV. And while, while watching TV, like, uh, you know, rehydrate with Dr. Pepper and uh, candy and things like that. And you need to know that that was a daily routine. And here's the weird thing is I lost weight on that diet because I was playing sports after, I mean, it was nonstop. It had zero effect on me. You could not have told anything. Then I went to college didn't play three sports, wasn't near as active, but thought, no problem, pizza still sounds wonderful, and continued to eat, and my body began to show that I was no longer 17, 18 years old, and that I had to work out, and I was like, that's stupid, but okay. So I then got into weightlifting, like major weightlifting and working out, never changing my eating habits, because, well, I liked food. So I'm going to 
as they say, or they don't say, you can't outrun the fork. I was like, yeah, I can. Watch. Uh, that continued to trend and to trend and to trend and to trend. And this is where I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of this. Because some of you are going, you might have had a problem, David. Uh, you're right, I did. But I had a socially acceptable problem. See, so I've got friends who... Um, have addictions and use things that are socially unacceptable. There's laws against them, and you're not allowed to use them. So, so they have gotten in trouble when they have used those things to do exactly what I was doing with food. Uh, food made me feel things. So if I was happy, food. Sad, food. Uh, it did not matter. It just was food. Let's have a great time around food. And, and, and no one confronted me about it. No one else's fault, but it was just interesting. Um, then... I became pastor of Fountain Springs Church, 30 years old, uh, moved to South Dakota, which fantastic place, love it, except for the wind, but anyways, uh, <laughs> lo- lo- like loved it, uh, but, but was introduced to like stress like I'd never encountered before. Uh, when you lead something, I had seen other people lead things, but then I began to, uh, well, we got invited to people's houses, or, or they would say, hey, pastor, here, we made this for you, and I would say, well, then I have to eat that. Uh, and I began to treat my stress in the good times and the bad times, and uh, I, would, I would eat and uh, would solve a problem that I thought I was solving. Here's what I've never told anyone, uh, publicly, I should say that, publicly. Internally in my head, I was fully aware that I had something in my life that I did not have in control. I didn't tell you, felt weird to tell you, I didn't just introduce myself. Hi, I'm David. I'm pastor of Fountain Springs Church. I use food to numb stuff. It's just a weird introduction. So I didn't, I didn't tell people. I didn't, didn't think it was important. And I always had in my head that well, I'll deal with this. It'll, it'll, it'll give me something I uh, tackle and, and resolve. And so uh, the first uh, 30, when I was 30, the first decade of being pastor of this church um, put on about 75 pounds uh, and felt it and internally began to see visual signs of a battle that I was not having victory over. Just um, When you are involved in something that you know that you should have victory over, it's not just that problem. Things begin to compound, and you begin to feel things about yourself. You begin to lose some courage and bravery, and you begin to, well, just not be the person that you're supposed to be. And uh, I, would, uh, I, I, I wasn't sneaking like Big Macs uh, into the garage. I, I just, when I would sit down and eat, I ate plenty. Uh, I was taught, not at a fault of my parents, that was on your plate. I mean, you eat it all. No one measured it before they put it onto the plate, but you ate it all. My problem was I ate it all and was like, is there any, any more? I felt like I needed to be open with you and talk to you about some things that I was struggling with internally that I never, ever told you and never intended to ever tell you. Um, this last February, I was, uh, I was in California meeting with a group of pastors, a group of kind of like-minded people like myself, and it's an environment that, that we didn't know each other all that well, and there was a guy that was brand new, and, um, and we just began to talk, and as we're like literally looking at the ocean talking, I had this random, maybe you've had this, like where you kind of like 
vomit words that you didn't mean to say and talk about. And we began to just like talk and I began to tell them, hey, uh, I think I use food for reasons I shouldn't be using food. And he's like, well, hey, uh, and he said, I have the same story. And he began to tell me how he had victory over it. So I'm like, and began that moment going, God, I think you want me to deal with this. So we talked and talked and talked, and I got linked up with him, and he began to help me. And uh, I, if you could go back, I think it was in February or March, I told the whole church because that was the only way I could lock it in. I had to tell you. Um, told the whole church I was going to get healthier. And I think some people were like, ah, cool. Uh, but now it's on video for me. And um, I don't tell you this. This is weird for me to tell you. But so... Uh, I've gotten rid of the 75 pounds that, that I packed on uh, since being pastor of this church. Still have some more goals and things that I want to do. And that's why I didn't want to share it with you because for me, the controller in me wants to feel like I actually have it completely conquered for the rest of my life, which means that when I'm 95 on my deathbed, I might be willing to share this with you. However, at 43 in the midst of the process, God wants me to share it with you. I'm really not in the mood to share it with you. So I'm sharing it with you. Um, and he told me when to share it with you was in this series. What gets in the way of a close relationship with God? If you missed the first week of the series, I asked this question. What gets in the way of a close relationship with God? We talked about mistaken identity. We need to talk about unhealthy portions. Now, for those of you who are like, it's a food talk, actually, it's bigger than that. If you want to know what your pastor has learned on uh, excruciating battle with dropping 75 pounds, uh, I learned that it's more than about food and, and weight and, and stuff like that. And so if you want a closer relationship with God, I want you to be willing to maybe take the same journey I took on like what portions are you indulging in that you should not be indulging in? Are there things that you are taking in too much of and going after too much of that perhaps you need someone like me to bring it up and go like, God, is that you? Um, the Bible talks about portion a lot. Uh, I discovered this when he started asking me to talk to you about this, and I was like, how did I miss this? Uh, it's because I didn't want to see it. That's how that works. So let me, let me just show you just examples of portion. I'm going to walk you through the Bible, not the whole Bible, don't worry. Uh, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden. Awesome. Um, except, except uh, portion control, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. In other words, there's all of this, but you can't have all of it. All right? You, let's keep going. This, uh, this is in Exodus. This is about the Israelites and getting free. Then the Lord God then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Uh, awesome. Uh, each day the people go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day, as much as they need for that day. I will test them. It's a stinking test. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. That's portion talk. And you should read the story. Some of them took too much. And it didn't go well. Keep reading in the Bible of Leviticus. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. 
and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it. Yeah, the stuff he planted, maybe some of the best looking corn you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I'm the Lord your God. That's portion talk. Let's keep going in the Bible. Joshua, do not take any of these other things set apart for destruction. Here's the story. The Israelites are about to go into the land that God's going to give them. And they go on to this first uh, nation that they're supposed to take over. It's, and they're in their land. And they, they're about to go after this. And, and they're given instructions before they go into battle. And in the midst of battle, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. Uh, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from, and here's portion. You can do whatever you want other than don't take it. Everything from, made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. In other words, you're going to go into this nation. They're going to have lots of cool stuff. But some of the cool stuff is God's. It's not yours. It's not your portion to take. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus sat down near the collection box. Whole sermon there, because you guys would freak out if I sat by some collection box watching what you get. But anyways, <laughs> just saying, okay? Uh, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, Hey, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has given more. That's portion talk has given more, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, more than those rich people who gave a lot, but it seems to be it was a different portion, for they gave a tiny part of the surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has had to live on. Portion. Holy cow. What if you and I have been missing a profound lesson taught by God himself what if you and I have not connected dots because we get offended by the conversation when it gets brought up? Maybe you don't like sermons on food. I didn't. Anytime someone would say, hey, David, you should preach about gluttony. I'm like, nah, that's stupid. We don't need to do that. <laughs> do you know why I didn't want to preach on gluttony? Because I had an issue. There is a connection between very major parts of life that I think that we as Christians, we want a relationship with God and we want to thrive. But we are disconnecting portions that are actually taking the power out of that relationship. Here, there, the idea of provision, what you have, and a portion of it, and how you and I worship, they are far more linked than you and I like to talk about because it gets personal fast. The Lord's Prayer, many of us are familiar with, and I want to show you just a portion of the Lord's Prayer. Give us today the food we need. Yeah, there's more. There's stuff before that and, and after that. I find it fascinating that Jesus is like, you want to know how to pray? I want in the, in the prayer portion. And many of us are like, so literally, I'm supposed to wake up and have no idea where my food is coming from 
ask God the morning of, so I'm going to get up super early because I want breakfast. And so I'm going to get up and say, God, I need you to provide the food for the day. That's a misinterpretation. What he was teaching was everything you have, do you think it's yours or God's? Do you think the provision that you have is all yours, the entire portion, or is there a way to worship God with what you have? See, this is where uh, uh, our worlds get a little offensive, um, and I thoroughly enjoy this, so we're going to have fun here. Um, When it comes to provision, I want to show you something about Jesus. Uh, 16 out of the 38 parables that he gave that you have in your Bibles 16 out of the 38 talked about money and possessions. If you ever get mad with me about how much I preach about money and possessions, I've yet to match the frequency of Jesus Christ. That was on video, I believe. I just what? Just, and you can be offended and understand your offense. I hated hearing godliness and food in the same conversation. 25% of Jesus' recorded words talk about stewardship. In other words, portion control. What you and I have got to just, we've got to figure out something about what's in life here, here. What we do with what we have is an act of worship, and Jesus was trying to draw our attention to this. Not just Jesus, but if you look through the whole Bible, what you and I do with what we have is, is worship-related. It's not about what do I have to do and what do I get away with? No, 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 no. It's all into this idea of a relationship with God. If you want it to thrive, you've got to be willing to deal with portion. So I made up a principle. I didn't make up the principle. I made up the the name of the principle, but it's in the Bible. But I I just, I'm weird. So anyways, principle of portion. Um, One day I'll write something about this. But the principle of portion, divide your provision as an act of worship. You can apply this to, I think, anything in life. If, you wanna, if you're dating someone and you're like, well, here's all the things we can do when we're alone. What if you and I begin to say, well, what can we sacrifice now and wait until we're married to do? That's one way to apply this. I'm just saying. It, it's, not, it's not just money, but it does relate to money. That where you and I, we get money and we can like, okay, what, what portion of it do I keep? And what portion of it do I push off into the lives of, of God and others? Food. When you, when you look at what you can have, do you take it all in? Because you can. See, let's talk about, let's talk about food and weight. Here's how you and I measure how successful we're being uh, with all of this. It's, it's the body weight scale. Some of us are like, oh. For the past three and a half months, I've had to stand on one of these every stupid day. And mine is, I thought it was cool and I regret it now, is like Bluetooth thing. So it even, it logs it onto my phone so I have to be reminded of it. So mad. Many of us hate these things because you know what they tell you? They tell you what currently happened from the decisions that you've been making. Listen, and that's not the best way. So uh, my wife likes antique things. I don't know that this works, but it's, it's, it's in our house. And uh, this is technically a food scale. Sure, you can weigh whatever you want to on it for those of you who are literal. But what I have learned 
as I began to kick my addiction to food, is if I weigh things on here first, if I evaluate the portions I'm consuming, um, this other stupid scale that I hate takes care of itself. So yeah, uh, uh, I regularly, when, when, when we eat, I, like, I, have, like, I, I now see plates based on how many cups of vegetables and, and the ounces of, of meat that's on there. And, and you better believe I'm supposed to have seven ounces and I regularly have eight and a half and I know it because I still struggle with this. I constantly want more. The portion scale, I'm not a doctor, by the way, but the portion scale is more important than the body scale, in my opinion. I think you can win the battle of health if you don't put all the attention on what your body weighs and you pay attention to the amount of food you're eating. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to do this, actually. Sorry. Here's what I think we're supposed to hear, and here's the lesson I've been beginning to learn is, is how do I get a close relationship with God? I need to, I need to figure out portion control. I need, I need to get this tackled. It doesn't mean that I don't have temptations, which we're going to talk about that later in the series, but uh, I will begin to figure out portion control. And if you want to know what offends most people when I preach, when I talk, when anytime I open up the Bible, uh, people love it when I talk about identity and love and grace and loving your neighbor and taking care of people. Do you want to know what people literally leave our church over? That's what I want to talk about. Because apparently it appears to be what the majority of us are wrestling with. Portion control when specifically talking about money. So, does God talk about how to have portion control when it comes to money and resources and provision? He does. So if you're taking notes, portion control. What do you do? How do you begin to divide it up? Give to God first. You take a portion, you give it to God. You must, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. A lot of pastors won't read that just so you know because you're like, oh no. What if their heart says nothing? <laughs> you want an honest church? Okay. Uh, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and, and don't give reluctantly. So many of you are like, well, I'm reluctant, so I'm not going to give. So I, I, I'm figuring this out. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And the pastor kind of pressured me. And for, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, so I'm not cheerful about it, so that means no. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like your pastor at times refusing and pushing off when someone says, I know how to get healthy. And I'm like, I know how to avoid the conversation. I can walk you through all the statistics that the majority of not just church people, the majority of Christians don't give to God anything. Zero. Over half of our church statistically gives zero to God. And I wonder if half of our church wonders why they don't feel close to God. Because they're taking the whole portion in. Now, some of you are like, you're going to talk about tithing. Well, let's talk about tithing. Tithing, uh, by definition, it means 10%. Uh, it's a principle all throughout the whole Bible from the beginning to the end. Jesus actually said, his words, not mine, you should tithe. Uh, but tithing was 10%. And many of us are like, David, I, we're no longer bound by the law. Jesus died on the cross, resurrected. No longer are, is my salvation rooted in, in the law. So, so that's now irrelevant. I, you think I'd be careful with that because it sounds like what you're saying is, what's the bare minimum that we can now do now that Jesus saved our souls? 
That's what it sounds like. And you can take that approach, and I think you can still go to heaven, but I think you got to wonder, like, how am I approaching God? Am I withholding something from God because I don't want to and don't think I can? How do I start? Good question. This. I bring this up all the time. Because I am like you, and how in the world do I go from being majorly overweight, majorly unhealthy, majorly addicted to food, using food to resolve emotions and to ride the roller coaster of life? How do I get there? And I've tried P90X. I did, I, I made it like P2X, I think is what I got. <laughs> Because I went, for, and, and I've done it all, like where I'm like, I'm only eating half a chicken breast all day long. I'm drinking 70 gallons of water. I'm exaggerating. P90X. And I went all in, and, 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 and I quit over and over. If it's out there, I've tried it. It wasn't until I dealt with the heart of the issue, the portion thing. that. So if you like, if, how, how do you begin to deal with this? If, if it's food or money, whatever, nothing to something. I'll always tell you, get away from zero. Run from zero. If you should be doing something and you're doing zero of it, just get out of zero. Nothing to something. And then once you're like, hey, I've done that a little bit that one time, move from something to schedule. Schedule it. Make a routine of it. Make a pattern of it. And then eventually you get to sacrificial. Let's talk about this for a second. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is how, how you keep uh, need and greed away from each other. Sacrifice is the tactic. If you want to begin to defeat greed in your life, the greed of money and food and all that, where you just, it's my portion, it's all mine, I don't have enough, so I'm going to eat it all, and I'm going to, or take it all, spend it all, or can't even pay my bills, so it's all mine. If you want to fight that sacrifice, start off with giving to God first, and then live in trust. Got to tell you a secret that's not a secret. This is what Jesus is calling us to a life of sacrifice. If you're unwilling to sacrifice things for him as he speaks to you about them, you're going to struggle having a thriving relationship with him because he even talks about picking up a cross of your own. Sacrifice. Let's, let's talk about the other two that you know about. Portion control. First give to God, then save for the future. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, save for the future. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You better believe my kids have this memorized. <laughs> but if you want to know what are healthy portions when it comes to money, give to God first, then save for the future, and then spend with a plan. Not spend with your feelings, spend with a plan. And this is something Jesus said, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Do you know that most Americans do not operate with a budget? Some of you are like, how'd you know? Statistics. <laughs> what gets in the way of a close relationship with God? Unhealthy portions. So where does that draw us right now? Um, just preached a sermon I never wanted to tell you about. I believe I still have a lot of work to do. But I'm willing to do it. 
I wonder if you have something in your relationship with God that you have been unwilling to do. So I was like, how do I finish a sermon? Well, I think I give you a, a decision to make. I will or I won't. And so that's what I think God is calling us into. If you need another word, will you sacrifice for him? You will or you won't. If you need help, I would love to help you. I don't care what your thing is. I told you mine's food. I've heard it all, by the way. I know most of us, it's money. I challenge you to check the box that you will and be a part of a church community that wants to walk with you to help you get victory so that you have a close relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, meet each one of us, Lord, in the corner of our lives that we have refused to let you speak into. Lord, right now, would you begin to let us know, help us to be honest about this, what we are withholding from you, what we have avoided, deflected, what we've quietly dealt with in t- inside of our hearts, the shame or the regret or the or maybe it's the jadedness and skepticism and anger and offense that we have taken. Lord, would you speak to our very souls and help us to give everything we have and make it accessible to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.